This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. A daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on all your favorite podcast directories, including iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. I'd love to hear from listeners. You can shoot me an email at rightnowjimdawes at gmail.com, or you can call the vent line and leave a voicemail with your rants at 772-245-0750. That number again for the vent line is 772-245-0750. Well, how you feeling? (laughs) Did you make it into work this morning? Uh, I, I, uh, I went to bed right after the game and, uh, it was a, it was a great football game and the heartland prevailed over the, uh, coastal elites there in the, uh, represented by the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm, I'm glad that the chiefs won because, uh, I can't remember how many times San Francisco has won the Super Bowl. The last time the chiefs won, it was 50 years ago. Trying to remember if uh, that was Lynn Dawson, the quarterback. Maybe uh, 50 years ago, he's even further than that. I remember growing up uh, trading Lynn Dawson football cards, and uh, I, I remember that that breed of quarterback that uh, they had in the NFL that were uh, what would you call them? Veterans. You had Lynn Dawson and Kenny Stabler and uh, Sonny Jurgensen. These guys that were. Over 40, and over 40 back then meant uh, something different than it does now. If, if you were, you know, were an NFL player, uh, you lived a, a hard life both during the season and uh, during the offseason, and, uh, and these guys showed it. They, uh, they looked more like, uh, what would you call it, dad bods, and, uh, but they, they, they still managed to get it done. But it was a, it was a good game. And I'm glad the Kansas City pulled through. Uh, they they engineered one of their uh, what's become uh, expected now these uh, these late comebacks. Uh, and Super Bowl, what is this? Uh, Twenty? No, it was a hundred year anniversary of the NFL. I can't remember which Super Bowl it was. Anyway. We're going to talk about the halftime show coming up. Before we get to that, I want to announce the winner of the America Pride Roasters Coffee Giveaway. It is Troy Darty, Dargerty, D-A-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y, Darty, Darty. 
I, I know how it's pronounced. I just can't make my mouth pronounce it. Um, he has, he is the winner. So Troy, if you're listening, go ahead and shoot me your address where you'd like this coffee mail. This will be the last week of our promotional giveaway with APR. We'll try to bring you new promotions. The response to this one has been overwhelming and uh, we're going to uh, start trying to make those a regular feature of the show. I'm just going to do a, a first half hour because uh, most of the uh, news has been sucked up by the Super Bowl weekend. And then the second half hour, we're going to uh, run a reprise of my interview with Roger L. Simon uh, that uh, I conducted shortly after John Bolton was fired. And you'll hear Roger L. Simon's take on that. Roger L. Simon, of course, is the founder of PJ Media and a former uh, screenwriter and producer from Hollywood who's argued for a long time that we uh, on the right side of the political spectrum need to do a better job at uh, making movies and music and, uh, and affecting the, the, uh, the popular culture. You know, one of the takeaways of last night's football game that I really liked was um, the, the Chiefs pretty much owned Richard Sherman, the loudmouth that used to play for Seattle and now is uh, playing for San Francisco. They, uh, they feasted on him all night long. And um, and he just was not able to cover. So this is the guy that's been running around for the past five years now, running his mouth, uh, you know, saying that uh, uh, nobody can uh, beat him. Well, they, they beat him like a drum last night. And he had announced shortly before this game that uh, when the 49ers won, that he wasn't going to the White House. <laughs> well, now he won't have to worry about it. So that halftime show is a big topic of conversation on Twitter. Uh, I thought that Shakira's performance was was great, despite the fact that she's 43 years old. Uh, she brought a, a high-energy uh, Latin tour de force to the stage. And uh, while, you know, she was uh, somewhat... A vulgar in some places, uh, you know, it, it seemed like a, a good natured, um, raunchiness that didn't go over the top. But by the time they brought, uh, JLo, Jennifer Lopez to the stage, that was just, it was kind of, uh, gross. Um, she, she had on this, this uh, little strap between her legs that uh, barely covered her coochie. And, uh, and I guess they had it glued in place to keep it from uh, going into her gigantic butt. Uh, dressed sort of like some sort of Bond B, uh, S&M outfit. And, of course, she didn't have nearly the moves that Shakira did. And, and it was just sort of an old fading um, star desperate for attention. It reminded me of that... Um, that share video that she did, you know, when she started going over the hill uh, from the uh, battleship where she had that little uh, tiny outfit on, uh, it was embarrassing for JLo. Um, and it wasn't very entertaining either. But uh, Shakira, Shakira brought it. She brung it. And uh, it, is, uh, it, it is the talk of the town. And um, if, if you missed it, if you went and did something else during halftime, you want to take a look at Shakira's first half of that halftime show. 
So the, the Democrats and the media, the Democrats and the media, they got their story together over the weekend, and the, the, it's a two-part narrative that they're trying to apply to the impending acquittal of Donald Trump's uh, impeachment trial in the Senate. One is that, uh, you know, it wasn't a real trial, so he has not been acquitted. And the other one is he is now a dictator. And, you know, I think I find it kind of ironic that these people are all over the TV and the uh, print media and the Internet uh, accusing Donald Trump of being a dictator. Well, if Donald Trump is an actual dictator, could he shut CNN down, you think? Because those people over there are, are in, badly in need of uh, a mental health intervention. Here's a, a media montage of their meltdown uh, after the Senate voted not to hear any more witnesses. Because what's on trial is not just Donald Trump right now. What's on trial is the rule of law. What's on trial is our democracy. I think the thing that's uncomfortable here is the idea that if you, can, if you basically can harness enough support in the public, you can bulldoze you can essentially bulldoze the Constitution. And what we have here now is the Senate of the United States, through the Republican leadership and membership, has now joined hands with a tyrant. President Trump is functionally a monarch at this point. If the king does it, it's okay. And maybe America is not persuadable by evidence and facts anymore. In that case, we've got a problem. Brooks. I mean, what a sad, sad moment. After, you know, 300 plus years of democracy. <laughs> well, it was good while it lasted. We had 300 years of democracy, but now Donald Trump has been acquitted of an impeachment charge because he had the uh, nerve to ask about Joe Biden's corruption. So it's the end. The democracy's over with. The Constitution's been overturned. It's King Donald, according to the, uh, the idiots over there at CNN and MSNBC. Here is a, a CNN columnist. They do have a website where they uh, they publish uh, print media as well. Her name is Jill Filpovic. Jill Filpovic, who uh, has really given this a lot of thought, but she's come to all the wrong conclusions. Jill, what are the top media takeaways? I mean, about how this trial has been covered. Yeah, I, I think one thing that I'm troubled by is discussing this as if it's kind of a both sides problem. Huh. You know, you have a right-wing media apparatus, you have a liberal media apparatus, and what you believe depends on where you get your news. I, I'm not sure that's right. I think we have a propaganda apparatus, and I think we have a media apparatus that is trying to tell the truth and tell the whole story. Yeah, the, the, the media apparatus that she's talking about, of course, is the mainstream media. She's talking there with Brian Steltler that uh, paragon of journalistic virtue that uh, spent the weekend uh, fact-checking whether or not Michael Bloomberg really did need to stand on a box. But uh, Flip says, uh, Phil Podvik says that uh, we've got uh, a right-wing media. Well, that right-wing media basically consists of Fox News after uh, 7 o'clock and uh, maybe one American News, and then the entire rest of the media is the one she says is trying to get at the truth. They're, they're the ones that went all in on the Rushgate hoax, that went all in on, um, you know, Michael Cohen and and uh, Ju uh, uh, Julie Swetnick. They've been wrong again and again. They've been thoroughly discredited. They've got a, uh, um, 
a confidence level among the public below 20%, they're the ones, she said, that are carrying the banner for truth and justice against the evil monarch Donald Trump. And what I think is particularly fascinating is how much that right-wing propaganda apparatus has become so deeply intertwined with Trumpism that it not only primed the audience for Trump to rise to power, but it's now repeating the kind of Trump-Roy Cohn playbook of lie, disseminate misinformation, you know, like the quote that you had up on the screen, you know, minimize, deny, and essentially project what you're doing onto someone else. Oh, my God. Did she really say that uh, Trump was projecting? That is the stock and trade of the Democrat Party is to project. Whatever they're doing, that's what they're accusing you of doing. So when they were caught uh, interfering with the elections, uh, using Russian disinformation and, uh, and bogus articles, uh, 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 bogus um, disinformation that came out of the Ukraine, they turned right around and blamed it on Donald Trump, since, uh, put this nation through a two-and-a-half-year uh, psychodrama with the Mueller investigation. But the other, uh, the other big theme to come out of this is that uh, the talking points that's been sent out by the Democrat Party to their mouthpieces in the media is, uh, well, I'll let Nancy tell it to you. Give it a different try. Um, when this is over, do you think that President Trump will be chastened and understand that he's got a Congress watching him? Or will he be emboldened because the Senate will have acquitted him? Well, he will not be acquitted. You cannot be acquitted if you don't have a trial. And you don't have a trial if you don't have witnesses and documentation and, and that. I would hope that the the senators, if it comes to a tie... Well, you can't have a trial. He wasn't acquitted because they didn't have a trial because they didn't hear, hear from more witnesses. They keep saying they, they, they didn't hear from witnesses. The House managers... Uh, deposed 18 witnesses, and all of that material was delivered to the senators. They had 18. Well, they they only produced the the uh, testimony of 17 witnesses. They're keeping the testimony of the in, uh, intelligence um, inspector general a secret because it's going to implicate Adam Schiff's coordination with. Uh, with the so-called whistleblower. But you had uh, Danang Dick Blumenthal over there, you know, uh, uh, following the company line. Now he will, in effect, be, he thinks, vindicated. In fact, this trial is no vindication because it was really no trial, no witnesses, no documents, no real evidence. So let me get this straight. The Democrats in the House of Representatives can put on a sham impeachment, a predetermined partisan impeachment, not allow the Republicans to call any witnesses, engineer this whole thing, reverse engineer this whole thing for, uh, you know, to find a predetermined outcome. Totally uh, just stomp all over any sort of due process. And that's fine. But if the Republicans in the Senate reject their partisan sham of an impeachment, then that doesn't count. And, uh, and you, you got the media out there, you know, forwarding this narrative. That's what the Democrat Party has become, the master of the narrative. 
And they can do it. They can get away with it because they control so much in the media. And, uh, of course, you had these, uh, this, this uh, new line that, uh, well, even if the Senate acquits him, uh, we're just going to impeach him again. Point on Nancy Pelosi, and, and I'm up to the Capitol a lot. I actually think this is not ending in the Senate. The House Democrats are going to want to hear from Josh, John Bolton. They are going to want to continue the investigation. I was talking to an operative just this week, and they were saying this is not going to be the last time this president is impeached. Okay. Well, maybe that's their, maybe that's their strategy. They're just going to drag this nation through so much um, pain and anguish, having to look and listen to the repulsive Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler and Nancy Pelosi just lie through their teeth. Maybe, maybe they're, they're, this is an implicit threat that if, if you don't allow us to remove this president, if you don't allow us to win the 2020 election, then we're going to drag you through all of this again. And we'll have to look at uh, Mad Maxine Waters make lunatic statements like this. The subpoenas that I have issued that's gone through the lower courts are now going to be heard at the Supreme Court in March. We will not stop. Whether or not that leads to another impeachment activity, I don't know. But I know we must continue with the work uh, that our constituents have elected us to come to Congress to do. Do you really think, first of all, she doesn't even live in the same a congressional district with her so-called constituents. Her constituents are uh, out there in Compton, California, and suffering from a lack of representation while she lives over in a Tony part of Los Angeles in a mansion. A woman doesn't have walking around sense, but somehow she managed to get her hands on a, a mansion in a nice part of uh, West L.A. So uh, Trump was on with uh, Sean Hannity in the uh, Super Bowl pregame. And uh, he talked about impeachment and the Democrats. Bernie Sanders. Well, I think he's a communist. I mean, you know, look, I think of communism when I think of Bernie. Now, you could say socialist, but did he get married in Moscow? And that's wonderful. Moscow's wonderful. Might have been the honeymoon. You don't think necessarily, well, whatever. But you don't necessarily think in terms of marriage, Moscow. And it's wonderful. I'm not (laughs) knocking it, but... I think of Bernie sort of as a socialist, but far beyond a socialist. Elizabeth Warren. At least he's true to what he believes. That's one thing. Because you mentioned now Elizabeth Warren. She's not true to it. I call it a fairy tale. Because everything's a fairy tale. That's how Pocahontas got started. Everything's a fairy tale. This woman can't tell the truth. Michael Bloomberg. Uh, very little. I just think of little. You know, now he wants a box for the debates <laughs> to stand on. Okay, it's okay. There's nothing wrong. You can be short. Why should he get a box to stand on, okay? He wants a box for the debates. Why should he be entitled to that? I, really? Then does that mean everyone else gets a box? I guess if they want one, I have to negotiate well, boxes. Very in interesting. Uh, Cory Booker and all these people couldn't get any of the things that Bloomberg's getting now. I think it's very unfair for the Democrats, but I would love to run against Bloomberg. I would love it. Hillary. I think of emails. I think of the email scandal, how she got away with that. Well, um, you know, I guess many Mike could bring his own box, uh, you know, one of those old uh, wooden uh, Coke cases and, and stand on it. But um, yeah, it's probably unseemly for the president of the United States to be attacking a possible presidential opponent because he's a midget. But uh, 
Trump uh, was winding it up at the uh, the rally last week in Des Moines, and um, and really put all of this into context for the MAGA crowd. You know, we're having probably the best years that we've ever had in the history of our country. And I just got impeached. Can you believe these people? I got impeached. They impeached Trump. The best trade deals, the strongest military. I took care of the vets. We got choice. We got accountability for the vets. Accountability. We got all these things. And they impeach you, President. No, that's not going to work. Watch. Just watch. They want to nullify your ballots, poison our democracy, and overthrow the entire system of government. That's not happening, I can tell you that. Washington Democrats have spent the last three years trying to overturn the last election. They've got nothing done. The only thing that the Democrats have to show for it is they signed on finally after dragging their feet for over a year to this uh, USMCA trade agreement. Other than that, they don't have anything to show. And I think the secret that Trump has learned is that, you know, about half of the country uh, disapproves of the president. Half the country approves of the president. But the uh, approval rate for Congress is about 13%, and the approval rate for the Democrats' mouthpieces in the media is, is about the same. So if Trump runs against the deeply unpopular Democrats in Congress and runs against the mainstream media, you can't lose that, uh, that matchup. Katie Turr from MSNBC was out in Iowa and, uh, and tried to get into the Trump campaign or tried to get into the Trump rally. 7,000 people inside that arena. We couldn't even get in. It was so packed. The fire marshal right. shut it down. And that is a, in stark contrast to what we're seeing from the right. Democrats so far in Iowa. We will see yep. what happens. <laughs> well, there were 7,000 inside. There were more than 7,000 outside. And while the Democrats uh, schlep around the state trying to, you know, uh, find some captive audience to talk to, Trump is having people wait in sub-freezing temperature overnight to get in and uh, you know it's easy to get caught up in this uh, parallel reality that the media have got going but i think most people are to you know realize that this whole impeachment effort is just a, a a charade on the part of the democrats and they're tuning it out i i have to admit that i get caught up in in it because you know i have to pay attention to uh to bring the news to you But the Republicans have once again uh, disappointed because they're going to refuse to take a vote on the acquittal that's uh, expected from everybody uh, that they will acquit the president. But they're going to drag it out until after Tuesday's State of the Union message. So they're denying the president a, a really great opportunity to turn all of this back on the Democrats by being able to march into the House chamber um, having been uh, cleared of these uh, this bogus impeachment. But they couldn't manage to do it because all of the senators want a chance to uh, speak for 10 minutes to explain their vote as if anybody's going to listen to it and as if explaining your vote needs to be done prior to the vote. Take the vote now, 
acquit the president. And then if you feel like you need to explain your vote, there'll be plenty of time for that afterwards. I've just got about a minute left, and there was this clip I really wanted to point out for you. Here is a, a crazy Joe Biden being interviewed by uh, George Stephanopoulos, who uh, actually asked him a tough, tough question. But, anyway, but- and that echoed your position during the Clinton impeachment. I want to show our viewers. It would have been wrong for Richard Nixon to have been removed from office based upon a purely partisan vote. No president should be removed from office merely because one party enjoys a commanding lead in either House of Congress. If a partisan impeachment was wrong in 1974, wrong in 1998, why isn't it wrong now? Because it's not a partisan impeachment. (laughs) He violated the Constitution. Only Democrats voted for it in the House and one independent. So he says it's not a partisan impeachment because he violated the, uh, the the Constitution. Notice they never will tell you exactly what he did to violate the Constitution. Oh, he asked about my corruption. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Roger L. Simon. Stick with us. You'll hear two messages, and then we'll be right back on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Well, last week, John Bolton was fired, or he resigned, depending on who you believe, as National Security Advisor. It was reportedly over a disagreement he had had with the president, over Trump's invitation to the Taliban leaders to negotiate at Camp David. Whether that was the real reason or not, it has shined a light on this president's willingness to meet with despots and dictators and whether that's a good idea. To talk about it, we're joined now by Roger L. Simon, an American novelist and Academy Award-nominated screenwriter. He's pioneer of new media, co-founding PJ Media in 2004, and author of 10 novels, including the Moses Wine Detective Series, seven screenplays, and two nonfiction books. His newest novel is The Goat, about a 20-year-old tennis progeny who appears out of nowhere to become the new hope of American men's tennis, possibly the greatest of all time. Don't let John McEnroe hear you say that. You can find The Goat in all Roger's books on Amazon and at Barnes & Nobles. Roger, thanks for joining us on right now. Very happy. Well, uh, you know, I was always uh, sort of confused when 
when uh, Trump hired John Bolton as his national security advisor to begin with, uh, Bolton is known to stand for everything uh, or stand against, I should say, everything that Donald Trump ran on in 2016. He's a noted, um, you know, war hawk, and uh, Trump promised to get us out of these foreign entanglements. Uh, do you believe it's actually the uh, the the Camp David Taliban meeting that actually brought this issue to the head? Well, it may have brought it to a head, but as you said. It was uh, under long discussion. You know, Trump claims, and I think he's he's correct in this, that he likes to bring in people with different views and hassle it out. And, you know, at a certain point, Bolton became uncomfortable for him. which He's the president, so it's his, whether he fired or quit, I think it comes to the same thing. I mean, I think the parting of the ways was in the air. Uh, you know, I think it's an interesting thing because I actually happened by accident to have met Bolton on a couple of occasions. He's a very nice guy with a very good heart and very patriotic for America and for the things we stand for. He just is a bit old-fashioned in his approach. I mean, a lot of us thought that Maybe it was a good idea to go into the Iraq war and try to turn a place like Iraq into Denmark, but it didn't work. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, we should learn from the past, but uh, maybe John didn't. That's all. Well, John does seem to be uh, sort of a one-trick pony, uh, bomb and uh, and invade every place, uh, you know, that he sees a problem. Uh, I, I wasn't against, per se, going into Afghanistan. I think we had to go in there and route the Taliban and try to capture um, bin Laden, but um, but um, whether or not we should have stayed and occupied the place and tried to transform it into a Jeffersonian democracy always seemed uh, ill-conceived. Um, well, you know, I agree with you. I mean, I mean, I have to admit about myself and a lot of people that you know, back in the reign like '03 or way in the beginnings of this century. We had an optimism that we could do this. Uh, you know, it turned out to be pretty fallacious. But, you know, we're now at 2019, and we should have learned our lesson maybe at least 10 years ago or more. But there we are. We might have uh, we might have consulted with, um, you know, uh, Alexander the Great and the British Empire and, <laughs> yeah. and um, the, the Soviet Union. I never really understood why we were so opposed to the Soviet Union occupying Afghanistan to begin with. Uh, if they wanted to, you know, to take take that problem on themselves, yeah, have at it. I think that's that would have been Donald Trump's position, actually. Yeah, it probably would have. I, you know, I, and I think it would have been a successful one. It would have, well, the Soviet Union disintegrated on its own. Part of it was the Afghanistan, really. I mean, Af- I mean, the, the Taliban are pretty crazy people, but they're hard to beat because well, they're there. <laughs> they're there. They have they have nowhere to go. They have a uh, a, yeah. a centuries long culture that's based on warfare and cousin marriage, and uh, they they love You're to right. fight. Uh, and us being over there just gives them a const, uh, or a common enemy to rally around. Right. They continue with their ways of misogyny and pederasty and all the things that they do. <laughs> exactly so. They're medieval. Um, their lifestyle is not exactly what I hope ours is. No. But, <laughs> I don't think the whole damn place was worth the life of one Alabama plowboy to me. Well, I, I have to agree with you. <laughs> At this point, it's not. And there we are. So Bolton, you know, is out of a job, and 
you know, he'll go give speeches to people and so forth. Well, I, uh, you mm-hmm. know, I, I don't think it matters either whether or not Bolton uh, resigned or was fired, uh, except for I don't understand, you know, why it's necessary for Trump to give somebody a kick in the butt on the way out the door. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, the thing about Trump is I agree with almost all of his policies, but his style is often, you know, not smart. I mean, he's he's got such a thin skin. You know, I, I wrote about this a long time ago. He, he has kind of a signals of noise problem <laughs> that, you know, everything is the same to him. You know, if somebody, you know, he calls him a rat on Twitter. It's the same thing as uh, Xi Jinping reneging on negotiations. <laughs> well, you're sort of a, you're sort of a raconteur yourself and an expert on uh, new media. Do you think that uh, Trump is just uh, adhering to the old saw that there's no such thing as bad publicity and takes every conflict as an opportunity to stay in the public's limelight? Well, I think that's true of him. That's what, uh, but I think that's just his personality. I, 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 I think that he couldn't be otherwise. I think that's not so much a decision as who he is. So that, that that's what we get, you know. Uh, in exchange for that, we're getting some pretty good policies and economy. We're getting no war. That's that's the best thing about it. You know, I think one of the number one uh, um, uh, jobs of the president of the United States is to keep us out of dumbass wars, and he's done just that. Yeah, he has. And, um, well, there we are. You know, and also he's done other things that are good. You know, try, trying to get the wall built against the, the, his, his sworn enemies on the left is a, a, an admirable thing, and he's chucking away at it. I mean, Starting to get some traction? His, yeah, I mean – that's not a, that's not something that could be done in ten minutes, but people act like it could, but it can't really. But he's doing a lot of good policies. He just, I wish he shut up because then he'd get to do more good policies. That's the that's the problem. I mean, but we'll see what happens. I think he's going to win the election because the economy is so strong, and if it stays up there, you know, how how is Elizabeth Warren going to do anything? Well, exactly so. And I think even if the economy were to go bad, that, uh, you know, people would look over at the Democrat side and 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 decide that, you know, a businessman would be a better choice to take us out of a bad economy than the, the Marxists over there uh, on that stage last night. I hope so, yeah, because that was really quite a display last night. I mean, it was beyond. I mean, the, 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 these people are like walking cliches they never say anything the only one who says anything original and he's kooky but he's least fun to listen to is andrew yang the rest of them are saying the same old stuff that they've been saying for 50 years (laughs) and you can't believe that they're still saying it well you know andrew yang came out last night um and and he just practiced old-time electioneering he just promised to buy votes he he what was he (laughs) talking about he was going to send a thousand dollars to anybody who (laughs) I never saw well, anything. You know, I think I, I found that it's funny, of course, but it, it, it's like refreshing because it's honest. The rest of them are trying to buy votes covertly. You know, we're going to give you free health care. We're going to give you free college. We're going to give you free this, free that. You know, uh, they didn't offer free cars, but <laughs> that's next. Well, oh no, they're they're they're. Threatening to come and get your car, I, I guess at some point one of them will promise to leave an electric one in its place. But uh, but they want your car, right? That's true. Yeah. Well, so it, it seems I'm like the uh, electric 
I'll take a free electric Mercedes. I actually got a free electric car sitting in my uh, my garage. Uh, I was in Georgia, and they gave a five thousand state tax credit and a seventy five hundred dollar federal tax credit, and I get to drive a free car, electric car. Yeah, yeah good for good for you. Yeah, yeah good. So it looks so like the Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> that would be a tough tough vote. So it looks like the Democrat establishment is uh, <laughs> is rallying around old Joe Biden, who can't uh, who can't formulate a paragraph to save his life. And all of this is kind of shaping up like Hillary 2.0 to me. Uh, you know, a low energy um, uh, establishment candidate who voted for the war in Iraq and has a forty year record for Trump to shoot at. He, he, he certainly does, and. You know, it'll be very interesting to see how the electorate responds to all this because, you know, our educational system has become so bad. All our kids are brainwashed. The arts, where I travail, are swimming upstream all the time. Because like with the case of The Goat, which is a natural movie, I might have written it first as a screenplay, but they won't won't work with me anymore. The, The prejudice against conservatives is so great. That even if you, I've had lots of hits and Academy Award nomination, all that stuff. They won't, they won't, work, they won't go near you. Well, the educational system has turned into indoctrination, and the cultural Marxists yeah. have captured so many of our institutions, including Hollywood and academia, and uh, yeah. and they, yeah. they yeah. practice blacklisting uh, on steroids. It, for sure, and it, and the other part, the sad part about it is, part of it is the fall of the conservatives, particularly in the money, the money conservatives, uh, as I've written a lot, uh, because I've been in the middle of this, have don't don't start film companies or, or television companies. They just, you know, they don't want to be to involved with the arts. Although Andrew Breitbart famously said. Politics is downstream of culture, which it is. Absolutely. But they, they don't get, instead, they, okay, they'll put some money into the local Philharmonic, get their name on the, you know, on the lobby wall. But, you know, Beethoven is already a success. We don't, he doesn't need any help. <laughs> what what uh, contemporary art is what moves the culture. Beethoven doesn't move anything anymore. He's fabulous, but... But it's irrelevant to what was going on. And the odd thing and, about it is, on the uh, rare foray that conservatives have made into um, to movie making, they've been uh, uh, fairly successful at it. Uh, here recently, yeah, uh, that that um, movie about the abortionist, uh, I can't. Gosnell, yeah. Gosnell was, yeah. was a huge success at the box office. Uh, it it seems like um, you know there's a a, a path to be uh, trod there. Oh, huge. But, but you know, and you don't even have to be as political as Gosnell. I mean, I'm for it. But, but I, I mean, I think what the culture craves is the old-time movie making when when the story was more Tell stories. Exactly. Hollywood has gotten to the point. Hollywood's gotten to the point where they, they don't tell stories anymore. They just, uh, you know, create these uh, sequels and load it up with uh, CGI. Yeah, and propaganda. And you leave, uh, you feel like you've you've just eaten a bowl of sugar. That's what you had, and it's boring, at least to me. I mean, some kids must like it, but their brains have been already fried. And it's not, it's bad for the culture's bud for everybody. And... 
you know, I mean, the, the good stories are what made America really, because the old Hollywood moguls didn't allow the uh, the um, actors to tell their politics and. Because the old Hollywood moguls were essentially conservatives. Those were the days, Roger. Those were the and, days. Right. And they made movies like Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. I mean, right now, I'd like to make a, a movie, you know, Devin Nunez Goes to Washington. I think it would be pretty damn good. That guy is Modern. a heroic character. You know, they make fun of him because he's a, a farmer by trade out of the Central Valley in California, but he almost single-handedly <laughs> exposed the greatest political scandal in the history of this country. Yeah. Now, how is, is that a movie or is that a movie? Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they won't, they won't touch that. But where are the conservatives who come forward and finance something like that? Hey, Roger, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Um, I would like to talk more in depth with you about the uh, debate, if we could, if you could hold on through the break. Sure. Fantastic. Stand by. Does your current bathroom need to be updated immediately? Introducing One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling, the complete and hassle-free way to get the new bathroom of your dreams in as little as one day and for as little as $1.99 a month. Yes, the experts at One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling will come to you anywhere in the country and show you all the customized options. Now you can have a brand new bathroom in as little as one day. Large or small bathroom. If you want a new bathtub or shower installed, we can do it in as little as one day. And if you call right now, you can save $750 off your remodel. We make it easy by offering you financing as low as $199 per month. Call now to schedule your free in-home consultation. 800-693-3152. 800-693-3152. That's 800-693-3152. And we're on the phone with Roger L. Simon. His new book is The Goat, about a 20-year-old tennis player who appears out of nowhere to change the American tennis scene for all time. Uh, He wasn't, by the way, he wasn't always 20. So that's the mystery of this story, because it's like Faust. But anyway... What's uh, what, what, what was what was that uh, what was that book uh, or that uh, movie starring? Oh, um, I'm I, I'm starting to get have Joe Biden moments more and more myself. Um, <laughs> Seconds, um, you think? The uh, the one about the the guy that uh, grew younger. Yeah, I know uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll so think of it in a second. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's sort of similar, but it's. It's more like damn Yankees or anyway, uh, people love it. You can see the great reviews everywhere, including on Amazon. Well, let's get that puppy made into a movie. Well, it's, I'm talking to people right now Fantastic. in the world of tennis. So last night we had a three hour, another one of these three hour, uh, uh snooze, snooze fest, uh, masquerading <laughs> as a, uh, presidential debate. And I want to play you just a brief montage of the Democrat front runner. 
The president thinks, the, uh, my friend from Vermont thinks, I've been involved in the beginning as a young congressman, as a young uh, uh, councilman. And nobody should be in jail for a nonviolent crime. Because what God's done before, I'm the only one up here who's ever beat the NRA. We didn't lock people up in cages. We didn't separate families. I'm the vice president of the United States. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids here work. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine what Donald Trump would do to this guy? <laughs> I, I don't know if I could find my record player. <laughs> well, vinyl's fact, making a comeback. I, 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 I can't say, come on, Joe, at least say a track or something. Oh, man. At least get... I can't even find my, my a track. <laughs> Roger, I was listening last night and I was trying to uh, identify a time when Joe Biden got a whole sentence out of his mouth that made sense and was properly formulated and i didn't find you back one. in 1986 <laughs> anyway i've known joe biden for know, a long time and he's always been willing to say you know whatever the audience that he was standing in front of wanted to hear but at this point he's just stopped being able to make any sense at all yeah, I, for sure. But you know what the sad part about it is? See, I'm a guy in my 70s, too. I'm younger than Biden, but not a whole lot. And he's giving us older people a bad rep. Well, I mean, you know, Trump is in his 70s, too. But, uh, you know, he, he's he got more energy than most 30-year-olds. And, uh, and you know, uh, Bernie, he's in his 70s. Uh, and he is an expert liar, if nothing else. <laughs> well, you know, what makes you an expert? If you haven't changed your mind about anything in 50 years, you know exactly what to say in every situation. <laughs> yeah, you just you just go back to that same old track. <laughs> right. If you could go inside Bernie's brains, there's sort of some grooves in there that are like, that never, never changed, yeah. ever, 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 ever. He's got, he's got some of those golden oldies uh, where he was praising the Soviet Union and Fidel Castro and uh, right, exactly. Manuel Noriega and uh, and the guy down in Venezuela. They're they're tucked away pretty pretty well now. Yeah. Well, you know, he he stumbled on that a little last night. They were asking him about Venezuela, and he started to condemn it. But it was only about two years ago that he was praising those people. Oh, up so, until last week, there was an article on his website, his Senate website, uh, saying that Venezuela was a good role model for the implementation of socialism in America. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, oh, they, yeah. They were how how dumb can they be to do that? <laughs> he, I'm sure he believes it, but I mean the fact that he. You know, a good Marxist knows to lie. Venezuela was the most uh, prosperous country in South America with the greatest oil reserves on the planet. And this, yep. is, this is what uh, Marxism and socialism did to it. And yet you've got uh, at least four candidates in the Democrat field openly declaring themselves, you know, in support of socialism. Yep. I mean, and one of them, I think, is going to win uh, the nomination. And that's Elizabeth Warren. I think she's going to become the nominee. Pretty certain. Uh, I, I, I have a good gut on these things. I actually predicted that Trump was going to win the election very early, and people thought I was crazy. I was right there with you, uh, Roger. I was uh, saying that uh, Trump was going to win it, and all my uh, my friends in the labor movement were telling me that I was full of it. But um, 
You know, you've got uh, you've got this Democrat establishment rallying around, old Joe. You got Ed Rendell and Rahm Emanuel and uh, and Joe Lockhart and the rest of them, and uh, yeah. and they're doing their best to drag old Joe across the line because you know they've got all of these chits that they can call in uh, if and when he. Uh, well, he's not going to get elected. Yeah, I don't think so. But I mean, he could get nominated, but I I, I think it's going to be Warren because. At some point, Sanders and Warren are going to have to go at each other. Someone's going to win that the left wing vote, and I think it's going to be Warren because I think Bernie's too much last year's news or 1928's news or something. Well, here's a here's an interesting tidbit from last night's debate uh, that Sanders had to say: We are the wealthiest country in the history of the world, and yet we have the highest child poverty rate of almost any country on earth what the hell is he talking about we've got an obesity <laughs> problem uh, in this country we don't have the highest child poverty rate <laughs> we should take him to somalia <laughs> I mean, he's he's like i mean he'll say anything because i think on a certain level he believes all that bs i mean, I, I mean he's so screwed up by marxism i mean it was such a I mean, look, I was in the Soviet Union at the exact same time he was, by the way, which is a kind of interesting thing, which is late 80s. I was invited on a couple of cultural exchanges and writers groups and stuff. And, you know, in those days, I was still relatively sympathetic to the left, although getting left so. But I had at the same time he was singing this land is your land with his shirt off. I was having people come up to me, you know, writers, and say, "Roger, can you help me get out of here?" <laughs> now, and that's a, it's, you know, that's a horrible thing to happen to you because you feel for the, because you realize you're in a giant jail, and and you feel for these guys. But I had no ability to do that. I mean, the last thing in the world I would have any ability to do. I had no idea what to do when they would say that. I just go. Gee. So you didn't uh, you didn't come home from the Soviet Union and praise it to the heavens like Bernie Sanders did? No, it was like getting out. Of, I I I've been in communist countries a few times. Every time I have the same experience at the airport leaving. Any delay in the flight makes me panic <laughs> because I think I'm not going to be allowed out of there. No matter how big these places were, and I was in China in 1979, believe it or not. You feel like you're in giant jails. Well, Bernie is not the only one promising this. I think there's several of the the Democrat candidates that are promising a guaranteed job. That's if that doesn't sound like the old Soviet Union, then I don't know what does. They they what, what was the saying? We pretend to work and they pretend to pay us. Is right. That's it. I mean, if you have a guaranteed job, you have no reason to be productive whatsoever. I mean, it would be it would be just one giant uh, DMV. You know, I don't know how these people, you know, Walt Trump has to get up there in the thing and say, hey, look, <laughs> the lowest unemployment rates for black and Latino people in the history of our country, and you're, you're talking about this stuff. I mean, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so I would just shake my head and say, what are you, what, what are you talking about? I mean, it's it's really bizarre that they are. Roger, tell us about the goat and uh, and what, what the uh, story is without giving, uh, without any... Um... Too much giveaway. Yeah, no, don't give away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's about a guy my age named Dan Gelber, who is a semi-retired screenwriter. You might read into that what you will. And he's played tennis all his life, and he's finally made it into the finals of his club tournament in the senior division, of course. 
And in, and in the first game, his back goes out, something fierce, unbelievable. He's taken to Cedars-Sinai Medical Center, and the doctor says, we got to operate right away. This is very serious. A woman from India or Nepal or somewhere in the corner, a cleaning lady, says, do not do operation, always makes worse. Go see my cousin Gambo in the valley, he picks up. Of course, the hero is a Western guy, and he gets the operation, but the lady is right, and he's, it's a disaster. He can hardly move. He's on the edge of suicide. He thinks his life is over. So he finally gets up, and he makes it out to the valley to this guy, Gombo, who's an Ayurvedic doctor from the Himalayas, and he starts to get herbs from the Himalayas, and he starts to get younger and younger. And he goes back to the tennis club, and all the ladies there are suddenly attracted to him. And he's, he's, he's very, very... Spoiler amazing. alert, spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah, I'm not, not going to go any further. Okay. But if you've... If you've yeah, I'm read, done. If, you're, if you've ever heard of the, a Faust, or you've ever seen Damn Yankees... You'll get the idea of the storyline a little bit. Uh, but this guy has a second life, and he goes on to battle the doll and, and Federer and a lot of things. But uh, And it's very funny, but it has a point. And if you had if you had your choice of the old, uh, old school directors to bring this to the uh, big screen, who would it be? Interesting question. Uh, you know, Francis Coppola is <laughs> still alive. Well, he's still uh, available. Yeah, he's up in North yeah, Carolina I, making wine, right? Right. Uh, you know, basically, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, it, John it's Houston. A lot of people. No, John Houston for sure. There were some people. You know, even Warren Beatty when he wasn't crazy because <laughs> I don't remember because, that. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. There's a. Uh, there's a, a post on Amazon about the book that compares it a lot to Heaven Can Wait, if you remember that movie that Beatty made, which was oh, actually yeah. a remake. But but there was actually a really good movie and because it was about stuff that people care about. I mean... It was a story. Yeah, it was a good story. This has got a good story. I promise you, listeners, uh, I, you'll have three or four hours of a good time reading the book. Well, I'm going to get started on it tonight. Roger L. Simon's newest novel is The Goat. You can find it on Amazon and on Barnes & Noble. You can find Roger's uh, archives at pjmedia.com slash Roger Simon, and you can follow Roger on Twitter at Roger L. Simon. Roger, it's great talking to you. I hope you'll come back and join me again in the future. Would be pleased to. Take care. You know, I've got a great idea on who to replace John Bolton with. I think it's a great idea anyway. And that is Rand Paul. Now, I, I wouldn't want to take Rand Paul out of the Senate, but Trump um, really appreciates efficiencies in business. And since he doesn't necessarily, um, you know, take uh, advice, there's really no reason to have a full-time national security advisor there, although we, I wish he would take Rand Paul's advice. But um, when Donald Trump needs the advice of a national security advisor, he ought to just... Say, my national security advisor is Rand Paul. And pick up the phone and ask old Rand what he ought to do. Somebody needs to give that idea to the president. That's brilliant. That's gold, baby. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to invite you back here again tomorrow on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. We'll talk to you then.
when the weather outside is frightful. The Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.